calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Sarah Michelle Gellar, to We Stand Together, an academic pop culture symposium. Yep, we're the pop culture professors. You know, that's right. I'm Lauren Brickman. I'm Caitlin Bitsagai. And you know we're smart people, but you know we're going to be talking dumb topics. These are the facts. We we have the credentials. We've taught mm-hmm. classes, children, molded minds, mm-hmm. and yet mm-hmm. here we are, episode 91 of just talking about the most niche, bizarre pop culture topics. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because we have dedicated our lives to furthering the (laughs) academic study of standing. Yeah. Which if you haven't figured it out in the first 90 episodes, uh, standing is to be an obsessive fan of something, (laughs) right? Uh, And Caitlin and I are really... We're always interested in pushing the limits of what standing can be, could be, should be. So, Caitlin, what are you standing this week? So, this week I am reading a book called Not All Diamonds and Rose. It's an oral history of the Real Housewives. And oh, okay. uh, it is good. Okay. This man sat down with so many housewives, which as many as Andy Cohen ever has, got the inside mm-hmm, scoop mm-hmm. on everything. You know, look. It's a wild ride. Did Sheree tell us about a time that Kim and Nini got in a violent altercation in a car, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but that they actually missed filming and never got it on camera? Yeah, that happened. Um, Have I noticed one factual error already because I'm an obsessive fan? Yes, I have. And that is that the author said that Luann Deliceps attended Bobby Zarin's funeral. Tragically, <gasps> we know that she couldn't have. She was Did stuck not. in Florida at the time mm-hmm. due to having been arrested. And she calls Bethany while Bethany is driving there. I found that weird. I don't know if he didn't have an editor. If he didn't have an editor, it's great. He's done an amazing job. The book is wonderful. But that little factoid is incorrect. Wow. Wow. You know, when you first said, I'm reading a book. I wasn't sure where it was going to go. I was excited for you. I was confused. Mm -hmm. But I I once again feel safe knowing what the content of the book is. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's it's a lot of Vicki Gunvalson's thoughts. So it's... You know, I I do just want to take a moment to have a small digression. Yes. We don't typically uh, do this, but, you know, since you're reading about The Real Housewives, I do feel like we should share a quick little story with our listeners who aren't following us on Instagram and might not know how close you have flown to the sun this week. Right, 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 right. Well, if you're not following us on Instagram, what? At We Stand Social, like, yikes, you shouldn't even be brought into the fold on this. But I... 
I had dinner uh, in your neighborhood, the Upper East Side. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. then was like, wow, I'm close to the Regency. I'm going to go get a drink at the Regency. Now, we all know the Regency is this uh, small hotel bar where the Real Housewives of New York go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even to call it a bar... It's not even fully correct. Uh, but, but perhaps most famously, it is the place where Tom cheated on Luann. Bethany got a photo of it. We found out from the book Diamonds and Rose mm-hmm. that that was all a setup. Yeah. But I saw Harry Dubin, who is the ex-husband of Aviva Drescher and has hooked up mm-hmm. with three other housewives. And he sat like two feet away from me. Now- Listeners, you may be thinking, wow, that's really cool. But um, what Caitlin has left out thus far in the story is how the We Stand book club got involved in her night. Now, as Caitlin pointed out, yes, I do live in this neighborhood. So Caitlin sent a text and said, hey, do you want to meet for a drink? And I said, I'm being responsible. I'm going to go to bed. Hmm. I then took a sleeping pill and I was in bed. (laughs) Shortly thereafter, Caitlin sent a text that simply said 911. 911 to the We Stand book club. Okay, I'd like to back you up because you've already mm-hmm. missed some things. I said it's 10 okay. p.m. on a Tuesday. Where am I? And everyone said the Regency. So everyone knew where I was. There was context. Okay, fair enough. I missed that first text. Again, I had taken a sleeping pill. I was in bed. Um, but fair enough. Good point. Thank you. And then the word Harry is used. Right. Which I've brought up. How many times have I brought up the superstar uh, former One Directioner? How many times have I ever brought that person up? Probably two or three, but only in reference to when are you going to the Harry Styles concert, Lauren? Okay. Um, I don't know that you've ever asked or said it, not in context and related to me. But anyways, um, Caitlin uses the word Harry and friend of the show, former guest, member of book club, Ariel. Caitlin says something like, oh my God, or I forget exactly what it was, but basically um, in my sleeping pill mind, I saw Ariel's text and immediately assumed Styles. So I wrote Styles question mark. And then a five alarm fire went off. The entire book club became lit. Um, and we were all convinced that Caitlin was hanging out with Harry Styles at the Regency. And friend of the show, Lauren Ashley Smith, got the rest of the Smith sisters involved. Everyone was alerted. Everyone was on, on edge. I almost got into a cab in my pajamas to go to the Regency and stand stands, you might be wondering, why are they telling the story? And it's because, I want to be honest, you know, even professors get it wrong sometimes. You know, sometimes <laughs> we miss, sometimes we don't understand the assignment. And, you know, Caitlin had very clearly given us instructions and directions for this assignment, and, and we didn't get it right. And <laughs> for that, Caitlin, I'm sorry to anyone who thought that Caitlin was hanging out with Harry Styles I'm sorry. I wasn't hanging out with any of them, just to be clear. I was at a public place. (laughs) Fair enough. But this is sort of the public uh, apology for anyone who I gave a heart attack to (laughs) thinking that Harry Styles was around. Honestly, if Harry Styles walks into the Regency, we Mm -hmm. need to actually call 911 because he's sick and he's ill and he's not okay and he's about to mm-hmm. pass away because he has mm-hmm. some brainworm that has brought him from his A-list life to where <laughs> Ramona is. So like he needs serious help if that I-, I wouldn't have alerted you guys. I would have been saying is there a doctor here? Is there a doctor help? That's so fair. So if any bartenders uh for the Regency listen to the show, uh slide into our DMs. I would love to be Harry Styles emergency contact. As Caitlin stated, I am on the Upper East Side and that is a role I'm willing and ready and able to fulfill. I think that's fair. You could you could give a mouth to mouth. Yeah. There's a lot of things that can Do you happen. You know his allergies? Start memorizing stuff like that. I'll find him out. I'm sure someone on TikTok can tell me. Oh yeah. In a drastically different direction, though, shockingly, I am not standing Harry Styles for a second week in a row. Okay, I am changing up my stand this week, but I'm going to keep it wholesome. I'm standing the season two of The Babysitter's Club oh. on Netflix. It may shock no one to hear I completed the series in one night. <laughs> Have you ever done a two-night show? If you do a two-night show, that means that show's awful. I have done a few. It's typically because there are things outside of my control. Got you. And actually, sometimes it means it's like so incredible that I have to just watch it. Yeah, I will be honest, as much as I love Babysitter's Club, was I still grading papers and watching? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Gotcha. So to any of my students that listen to the show, if you accidentally got a few paragraphs about Don and Marianne, you understand it now. <laughs> Their friendship is so important. There's an episode where I was really worried about them, but it came out on the other side. Anyways, <laughs> um, shout out to Babysitter's Club season two. You brought it. I'm loving it. I hope there's four more years, four more seasons. <laughs> Just Give four, me four no. more seasons. Nothing more. I want an even six seasons. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's good. Okay. Yeah. Great. But you know what I could never have too many seasons of? Today's guest. Oh, I have been a stan of this man for quite some time. We met way back in the dorm rooms Woo! in college. <laughs> I am thrilled to welcome to the show, my dear friend, we stan Instagram's resident troll, uh, Juan Leon, who Yay. is currently working with the fabulous director, Marco Siega, who helms TV shows like The Vampire Diaries, the following time after time, and... You. Ooh, yeah. Love you. And the upcoming limited series, Dexter New Blood. Uh, Juan also fancies himself an up and coming horror director and writer, and he dares anyone to fight him about that. So please welcome to the show, Juan Leon. Yeah. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. Oh, my God. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I was, I will be honest with the listeners. Um, Juan told me if we ever did a horror themed episode and he wasn't the guest that I would end up the star of my own horror theme <laughs> true crime podcast. So this is true. So threats work, listeners. Threats work. I mean, to be honest, you guys had me kind of on the hook with the Real Housewives to begin with. So you guys did a twofer for me in this one. Oh, wow. I mean, we need a horror film that takes place at the Regency besides the one that's taking place constantly. <laughs> I mean, one moment. could say that Real Housewives franchise is a horror franchise. Oh, yeah. I'm absolutely all about that. Well, absolutely. You know, Juan, on the first day of class, teachers always explain their credentials to their students. So we always like to set our listeners at ease and share our credentials. Um, so, Caitlin, what are your horror credentials? Okay. So typically our credentials are, you know, some embarrassing gig that I've done or some ends that we've gone to in a standum that we couldn't be controlled. This one is actually kind of different. It really is academic. Every October for about five years, I try to watch more horror movies and I've succeeded because as a youth, I actually was not that into them. And I always kind of wanted to be, but I just never was sure like what's my on-ramp exactly. And now this is interesting, I think. I actually don't scare easily. So I think that that in some ways makes the genre difficult sometimes like there's some people that get so scared and they can't watch them but that's not me but sometimes if it's a little boring i'm out but i really have tried and i have so many more to go there's so many iconic ones i haven't seen but i try to see an iconic one or two up to five every october (laughs) i think you know you and i have been to the movies a couple of times in our friendship together but do you remember when we went to go see the nun and we both fell asleep (laughs) I don't think I fell asleep. I just tortured you. <laughs> well, I think we had been drinking. That is fair. I mean, that's not my credential, though it is a good one. No, no, no. But we did go see The Nun, and I was excited because I did like that trailer, and then it wasn't good. We both, we love the trailer, and then it wasn't good. But today, my credential is hits a little closer to home. I recently starred in a Juan Leon original okay. horror short film. Amazing. I can't give any details no, away. We don't want to. I've signed too many NDAs. There's no details to give away. <laughs> And also, he is in the other room right now. He's very close. He could slip my throat at any time. But I have been directed by aspiring horror filmmaker Juan Leon. Sounds like you're not aspiring. You did it. It's true. Yeah. And it was exciting and so much fun and so true to, I think, like, you really have to find those things that really inspire you and finally getting down and writing something that was scary and fun and short. Uh, was a good way to do that, at least for me as a fan of horror. That would be so hard to write something scary. I've, I don't think I've ever actually tried to do that. <laughs> Maybe people have said I succeeded, but not ever tried. You know, I gotta say, I watched The Nun, and one of my favorite parts of the movie, this is not a spoiler, was something I knew when it was happening was the bells mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on the graves. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people don't know that those were... Uh, place there because sometimes they would bury people that were still alive and i got really excited that because of my horror knowledge uh i was um i knew uh i knew what was coming Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i had 
such high hopes that that movie would scare the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, that one jump scare, they did a good job. But they did that one was it. They just, they just spent most of the filmmaking designing that. I had more jump scares shooting Juan short than I than I did watching The Nun. I still, even if movies aren't super scary, the audio freaks me out. Mm. And you'll find me covering my ears every single horror film I watch. Because I'm waiting for that audio that's going to make me uh, jump out of my seat. Interesting. I It can. But The Nun was not that for me. The Nun... <laughs> The nun soothed me to a truly restful place. That's so sad. I rested like the dead. <laughs> and we did have the recliners, so it's sort of true. We did. We did. You we had the recliners. Put your hands over your chest. And like a zombie, I rose. But you know what does scare me? The movies that we're going to talk about in this first game. So, one, knowing that you are a horror movie aficionado, I thought... Caitlin and I had to bring back a game that we have only played once before in a live stream show called Name That Scream Queen. So what I have for you today is a collection of audio clips of women screaming in horror films. (laughs) And I'm going to play you a clip and you're going to have to guess who the Scream Queen is. Oh my God. So this is just the scream. It's just the scream. (laughs) It's not even a quote. I'm like a... Famous, like this is just a scream. You know, there may be some other context clues in some of the clips, but mostly you're going to be getting screams. (laughs) (laughs) All right, hit me with that scream. Here we go with screamer number one. Can you name that Scream Queen? Oh my God. Well, this, uh, the music obviously is a giveaway, but I don't think this is right. But I, is it Lori? Is it Jamie Lee Curtis? Yes. Yeah! Good work. That's... I was like wondering, I'm like, is it one of the other small characters or is it our, our you know, final girl du jour? You nailed it. That is from 1978's original Halloween starring the goat of Scream Queens. Jamie Lee Curtis. So much. Wow. Well, you're already crushing this game. One for one. Let's see if you can keep the momentum going. Here is Scream Queen number two. Can you name that Scream Queen? Oh, are you kidding? It's Jada Pickett-Smith on Scream wow. 2. Opening yeah. sequence at the movie you theater. You are doing good. You oh, are. It's so amazing. So good. That might be my f- favorite scene in a horror movie of all time. Oh. She has that amazing scream right in the middle that you just... Along- uh, uh, it's honestly... What happens to her character in that movie might be my greatest fear of like <sighs> having a like being truly in danger and truly hurt and no one believing you is like horrible to me. That's the story of my life. <laughs> Food for thought. Uh, on that note, let's see if your trauma can help you identify screamer number three. Now, I will say. You can stop me when you know who this is because this third clip is a compilation of <laughs> multiple screams. So when you think you know, let me know. But I'll play it until you have a guess. Here we go. Wow, you already know it? 
That is the lovely Jennifer Love Hewitt in uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer. Iconic. Yes, that is 97's Jennifer Love Hewitt. 100% so far. Pretty much every scene I think she screams in that movie. I mean, once, you know, Mm -hmm. everything happens, yeah. That's incredible that you knew just from the pitch of the scream. You know, I think I also heard like maybe like the there's something that she I think there's a scene where she brings down a gate <laughs> and screams or brings it up. And I think that was one of my my uh, giveaways. Oh, wow. Showing the Absolutely work iconic. and got it right. Mm. Wow. You're three for three. You're top of the class. Let's see if you can keep the momentum going. No time for argument. Many, many times. Oh God! Do you know what that is? I know the uh, I know the movie. This is oh man, I can't, I know I don't know the actress because it's that old and wow. Uh, but I do know the movie. What's the movie? It's Hellraiser. Correct, correct. And um, the actress I, was Ashley Lawrence. And, and can I just uh, state my case mm-hmm, as to why mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. know? This is one of my favorite movies of all times. I've also only watched it once. <laughs> and I, but you'll understand why I've only watched it once. I was maybe seven <laughs> when I watched this movie. This is the first horror film I've ever watched in okay. my entire life. Okay. This set the journey I've been on sure. with horror films. Uh, and the reason I don't know it is that. Also, I was in Colombia when I watched this. So I would have never okay, known well- who the actress was. I feel like you really are one of my students right now with the excuses, but <laughs> the fact that you knew it was Hellraiser and you've only seen your favorite movie Hellraiser once is iconic. So- that movie traumatized me. I, would, I wasn't able to sleep on a mattress for a long time. People will know that if they've watched this movie, why that is traumatizing. Oh, I believe it. I just can't believe you claim it as one of your favorites if it was that traumatizing, but that's for therapy, I think. <laughs> All right, we have one final Scream Queen for you. Let's see if you can name this Scream Queen. Can you name that Scream Queen? Oh my god. Iconic. It's a it's it's an iconic Scream Queen. Why was she laughing? Yeah, that was weird. You know, that's a clue. I know you know this one. Like I know you know this Scream Queen. Uh, I mean, I'm sure I know the Scream Queen, but that clip, I for some reason, the giggle threw me off. Oh. Uh, I'm gonna have to. I, I guess I'm not getting a hundred. I'm gonna have you to. You know, four out of four to five ain't bad. Oh, who is it? It is iconic Scream Queen, star of the 2017, I believe, DC Lotto Walking Dead tie-in commercial. The one and only Lauren Ann Brickman. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great commercial. (laughs) Oh my God, that is genius. I don't think I've seen that before. Well, um, I guess you haven't watched my old reel then because it's definitely there. That was so good. (laughs) That is a great, I respect you. A lot of respect for that. Well, it only took a decade, but I finally got your respect. Uh, Folks listening, if you thought that giggle in the scream was actually a strong choice and not a regrettable one, I am available (laughs) for bookings. It was, you know, it's a DC lotto. We got to keep it. Mm Got to keep it fun. Got to keep it exact. Keep it light because, you know. Yeah. Um, Shout out to the DC lotto. Uh, That was a night shoot and they served (laughs) crab cakes in the middle of the night on set. And that was huge. (laughs) Huge, Huge night for me. <laughs> oh, uh, well, I'm gonna watch a reel now because I gotta see this. I have to. I have to. I have to put this as my top five horror films of all time. For and sure. You know what? The long con of having a podcast all pays off when you finally get two of your best friends to watch your reel. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks. Um, apparently, Hollywood is once again calling and asking <laughs> to get us on the line. So we're gonna take a quick break to answer this call from Hollywood, and we'll be right back. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. All right, turns out it wasn't Hollywood calling. It was just another scammer from southwestern Oklahoma. But, you know, uh, excited that they have my number. Um, but that's not what the show is about. The show is about an academic pursuit of deeper understanding of pop culture. Mm-hmm. And tonight I'm so thrilled, Juan, to have your expertise here because I finally am able to unpack a theory I've had for a long time. And I know Scream is probably your very favorite horror film, and it's one of my favorite films. And, you know, I think there are a lot of reasons why it's at the top of people's lists, right? The Scream franchise, it has humor. It has some serious jump scares. It's got A-list talent. But I believe the real reason it's so beloved, and I truly believe this is the number one reason, is that. It has the hottest killers in cinema (laughs) history. And, you know, this has been particularly on my mind uh, the last few days because season three of You dropped. And there's been a lot of people posting about how thirsty they are for Joe Goldberg. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. folks on our Instagram today, it was a 50-50 split between people that were like, I would let Joe Goldberg, you know, take me versus people that were like, y'all, he's a serial killer. But I think that, Scream really laid the groundwork for those of us who were old enough in the 90s to um, get our hands on a copy of Scream to fall in love with serial killers. Now, don't get me wrong. I I don't worship at the altar of violence. <laughs> and I'm and the cast of Scream is just hot, period. Right. 
But the casting of the killers is really brilliant because let me just, for anyone that doesn't remember, let me just walk you through the casting. In Scream 1, we had Skeet Ulrich and Matthew Lillard. And I can honestly tell you, and to my little brother who listens every week, you might want to cover your ears for a second, but the first sex dream I remember having was of Skeet Ulrich. (laughs) Shortly after seeing him in this movie. I can't remember the details of that movie, but I do remember waking up confused and sweaty. Skeet Ulrich can get it. So can Matthew Lillard. And then we roll into Scream 2, where we have Timothy Oliphant. Are you kidding me? And you can't tell me that Laurie Metcalf isn't walking around as a beacon of sexual energy. <laughs> she is. She just is. I did see her once at Sardi's just looking at a notebook and people were like, mm-hmm. the raw heat of this woman <laughs> and her you. notebook. Thank you. It's true. I once rode, uh, we both were on the same red eye once from LA <laughs> to New York. And in the middle of the night, she was em- like just dripping with it. So, okay. Now, If those four actors weren't enough, we slide into screen three and guess what? Scott motherfucking Foley. Are you kidding me? Noel from Felicity is going to slice and dice. Thank you. I'm sorry, but it does not get hotter than that. Also, quick time out because I know we're in a safe space and all of us love Grey's Anatomy. I don't feel like we talk enough about how both Patrick Dempsey and Scott Foley were in screen three. That's just a thing that I think society has brushed over, and I can't believe there haven't been more think pieces on it, but I'll come back to that later. Absolutely. Um, I will say, we start to hit a road bump with Scream 4 when we meet Emma Roberts and Rory Culkin as the killers. I will admit, though, I think that just is because of the age I was and the age they were. And it felt creepy. They were in high school. I'm an adult. I'm not saying that Emma and Rory aren't attractive people. But for me, I wasn't feeling them the way I had been feeling the previous slaughterers. And I think that's why it's my least favorite of the whole franchise. Hmm. That's my theory. My theory is I didn't get as invested in number four because... I didn't feel an impulse to sleep with the killer. Interesting. Well, so that's my thesis. That's my thesis. I think that is what makes Scream above and beyond the best because they had hot killers. What do you all think? Agree? Disagree? Talk to me. I think this is very anti-feminist. I'm just gonna... (laughs) I'm just gonna go there. Yeah, please. I mean, I'm going to counter your thesis. Please, your wow. Okay. Sexual thesis here. Wow. And say that What's Scream happening? was successful because, you know, we had one of the best of the time final girls uh, as Neff Campbell. Sure. Of course. She sure. really sold it. And I, she had that humanity, the, mm. she had that ingenue uh energy you care for her uh, she was strong she was a badass and all you know she's been a badass from the entire throughout the entire series and you making it about all like the boys and men are just think it's very uh, anti-feminist i i will say i want to make sure we are holding space for how hot laurie metcalf was because i do stand by that so please do not erase laurie metcalf's hotness that's Lori Metcalf hotness erasure there. Um, and secondly, I do admit, you're absolutely right. The entire cast of these movies are hot. <laughs> Ned Campbell is as hot as Kate Ulrich. I will give you that. I just got to say, I'm like, I'm a proud homosexual. And I love, love, love Neff Campbell. Who doesn't? She is a, a sex symbol in the horror genre as but well. But here's the thing. We get, we're used to getting a hot, Scream Queen, right? I'm not saying yeah. she wasn't the best, but Jamie Lee Curtis was hot, and uh, other actresses whose names are all escaping me right now, but I'm sure they'll come back to me in a moment. Mm-hmm. But like, I think that Nev Campbell and Jamie Lee, like, there is something to be said. There's a certain quality and empathy and a strength and a power that you have to have to pull off those movies. But what Scream has that Halloween didn't. Oh my God. I'm not dreaming about Mike Myers coming over and cuddling. <laughs> well, girl, then you're watching the wrong movie. <laughs> okay, wow. He's, he's tall, muscular. Capable. 
Yeah, capable. He has stamina. He's not lazy. Never like all these other guys yeah. out in the streets. Exactly, and also he has no type. <laughs> Everyone's wow. fair grand game. Yeah, with Michael Myers. So okay. I, you know, at least they're more consistent with that. And he's been around for a long time. Okay. And he still has the energy. I don't think he's using any uh, pills to help him. Uh, you know, get through his killings. Are you accusing Scott Foley's character in Scream 3 of needing Viagra to kill? Is I that mean, maybe. Hearing? I mean, wow. that was, you know, like, he was a little whiny. I'm not going to fucking lie. Wow, wow, wow. I think I think you're on to something, though, Brickman, in that, mm-hmm. like, Thank you. that the film, I think, purposefully does set up the killers as sexy. And, Thank like, you. you know, you have David Arquette in the film, who's an attractive man, yeah. But he's not a sexy character in the film. No. Though, okay, I get it. Off screen, he won the heart of one Courtney yeah. Cox. <laughs> I'm just, I genuinely was like trying to think and I was Googling and I like could not think of a movie pre-screen where they like full throttle embrace the idea that the killer can be a character that you're kind of falling in love with. I think that, like, for me, when I rewatched Scream recently, I realized part of the brilliance is that, like, even though there's moments of mistrust with Billy Loomis, you're kind of, like, on the same journey as Sydney. When she's ready to give her virginity, you're like, yes, I get it. Now, <laughs> do you find Ghostface sexy? <laughs> <laughs> when you talk that? about it that way, I totally get it. I actually... You've convinced me of your thesis. I'm not going to, I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. I, I get it because, uh, I mean, I too, like you, really mm-hmm. enjoyed watching uh, the boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like it's just, they, they played their part really, really well. Oh, because I, I like, I really can't. And I would love, you know, Stan Stans, if you, if you have an example, I would love to hear it. But I could not think of a movie, a horror movie prior to Scream that blurred the lines between good and evil in quite that way, right? And I think that's just so cool. And because of that, we have stuff like you, right? We have these complicated characters where you're like, why am I rooting for Joe, right? Right. Like, And it's like a little different because once you find out what Billy's done, you're like, oh, no, Billy, I don't want you to survive the party. I want Sydney to win. But you sure do look good while she's slashing you about, you know? It's it's weird. No, I, I don't think it's weird. I think it's all uh, built for that reason. I think I never actually, that's really interesting. I never actually thought about the killers in uh, 70s and 80s uh, slasher films as, uh, as uh, sex symbols. And it's really, and I never thought of screaming that way. I just always saw it. They're really sexy, good-looking young people in these movies that I think we kind of wanted to be in the movie, wanted to be in, like wanted to be friends with them. But now that I think about it, I mean Leatherface, Michael Myers, Jason, Freddy, uh, like all of them have masks and are really scary. I will say. One that is confusing is like the leprechaun is quite hot. (laughs) I mean, we all have a thing for short people. I mean, okay, I did. That has been part of my watch of this October based on Brickman's recommendation. And I think my my husband uh, is going to revoke my privileges of choosing the movie for probably through 2021. But I loved it. (laughs) I had a great time. I'm so glad. (laughs) I mean, we're attracted to the leprechaun because he's so funny. I mean, he gets on that skateboard and you're like... This guy's a wild card. <laughs> Wait, and did you notice when the truck pulls up and it says three guys that paint? Yeah. <laughs> the, the art direction in Leprechaun is unparalleled. Listen, and never forget, Leprechaun captured Jennifer Aniston's original nose on screen. So. Absolutely. And they had to kill it with a clover. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, uh, well. Oh. Before before we move on to our next game, though, I can't bring up Scream and not acknowledge 
that we are living in the blessed timeline of getting a fifth Scream installment in early 2022. And so I would love for posterity to get your hopes and predictions. What do you Mm, think mm. is going to happen in Scream 5? What do you hope is going to happen in Scream 5? Because then we'll circle back and check in with you to see if this all comes true. But what do you need from Scream 5? I sadly think I'm going to have to bring tissues to the movie. Because I think it's time for one of our three very emotional, emotionally attached uh, uh, leads to hit the head. I think one of them, I think it's time. I think it's maybe Dewey, but if anything, I think if they want to surprise the fans, it's going to be someone, and I think I'll cry, our lovely Gail Weathers. It should be Dewey because he survived way too many times. Uh, I'm I'm sure that back looks like a Pollock picture, uh, painting, but I think it might be our lovely Gail, which I don't want it to happen because I really, I almost cried on four when she almost died. So this may be a hard one for me to watch. I see what you're saying. Okay. And is there anything that you're hoping will happen beyond that? Is, Is there anything that you're like, this will help me breathe through the tears if I'll survive the tears as long as this happens. I mean, if they don't kill anyone, I'm fine. Don't kill anyone. Kill everyone else. I mean, this is one of the first Scream 5s that has a multitude of minority actors as part of the core cast. Fine. Kill everyone. Just don't touch my leads. <laughs> don't touch Nev. Don't touch Corny. Just don't touch them. Okay. So you And I'll be happy. You don't want any sort of like torch passing to happen. I don't do well with change. Uh, <laughs> so for me, the less I'll, I'm happy with the carnage, but I don't need the torch pass. They're, they're Lori from Halloween. You just, you know, you keep it going. Uh, I just don't think I'm going to get my wish. Yeah. I think, if, if, you know, I think there's going to be a huge body, uh, body count mm-hmm. and one of our leads may be part of it. Wow. Okay. Caitlin, any hopes or predictions from you? Um, I definitely hope that in promotion for the film, the cast goes on the Drew Barrymore show and Drew Barrymore mm-hmm. interviews them in her original costume and mm-hmm. in character on the phone. Oh, it's going to happen. So I just hope that we get to be there to see it. Wait, do they shoot here in New York or no? They, they, they do. It is New York? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here in New York. You know, I would be willing to go to a taping of one of those kind of shows for the first time in my life which is a horror film to begin with but i would do it i would get in line and watch that wow okay wow brickman how about you what do you want to see from scream scream you know what i want is to be surprised with cameos from other surviving characters from the franchise i like for instance even though I didn't love his character and he's not my favorite person, Patrick Dempsey coming back because he wasn't killed. <laughs> and we never really got any sort of resolution for his character, which always felt weird. I think that was one of the things about Scream 4 that felt weird to me was that it felt like it wasn't fully embracing things that had happened in Scream 3. Um, so I want I want Scream 5 to like Sydney's dad's still alive, right? Like, who's alive? Yeah. Uh, I want every single person that could possibly walk through the doors to walk through the doors. Cannot, do not bring Patrick Dempsey back. He was the worst, worst male hero in three. He got hit in the face, yeah. stabbed, shot. Like, well, I mean, he was a terrible cop. Can I tell you what I want to happen? Ah, oh, fine, tell me. A vicious, horrific murder. I want to no, watch Patrick yeah. Dempsey be murdered. I do. It's not even worth it. It's not even worth it because he was, oh, of course he's going to get murdered. Look what happened in three. Everything happened to him. He was a cop trying to protect our glorious Neff Campbell, Sidney <laughs> Prescott. And all he did was make things worse. I know. She had to defend him. I know. And that's why I didn't want him to survive that film. Was angry he did. It's a waste of fake blood right there that is a waste of agree to disagree i think it would be so fun to have a star-studded opening and just a huge because that's one thing that they haven't really done is like a huge body count in the opening and it would be so fun to have like multiple big name body drops in that first opening that would that's my my secret wish do i think it'll happen no but will i maybe write a fan fiction under a pen name yes (laughs) yes 
I mean, I I think you have Scream Six <laughs> opening sequence ready to go. Thank you. There you go. All right. Well, thank you so much for indulging me. Um, I will be starting a support group for uh, <laughs> stands of sexy serial killers. Uh, look out for the Zoom link. Uh, but in the meantime, Caitlin, I think you've got another game to play. I got a game and it's called From Freddy to Jason to Oscar. A lot of big names got their start in horror and many have gone on to be nominated for Oscars. Some of them won them. I'm going to name the performance in the film. And you tell me this A-list star. Oh, no. Yeah, this is hard. And I can't believe how many of these movies these people have been in. This is not at all a comprehensive list. You actually have me nervous now. It is, all it's right, nerve-wracking. Right. It's, it's very hard. All right. This is the first ever film for this legendary CAD was a direct-to-video Critters 3 in which he played Josh. Critters three, hard pass. That sounds awful, and I never heard of it. And it's gonna hurt. All right. Who? I don't know. It is. I can't believe you don't know this one. Leonardo DiCaprio, his <gasps> first film. And if you hated that one, you're gonna hate this next one because taking the from baton from Leo, this iconic actress played pilot Fran in Critters Four, which was set in space. <laughs> Oh, no. This is... Oh, man. Oscar winner <laughs> nominee, or nominee? Nominee for a very iconic movie. Oh, man. what I'm going to... Oh, man. I can't even guess, to be honest. That's how terrible the Critters... Critters 3 I'm going to go four. home and watch it. Yeah, no. Pass. It is Angela Bassett. They sent her to space <laughs> to fight Critters. <laughs> she must have needed that paycheck. The truth about this is I found an article that was like before they were stars, but then I just looked up every Oscar winner and they've pretty much all done something insane in the past dealing with horror. Oh, all right. This Hollywood stud, hot guy, hot guy, hot guy, played a high school stud named Dwight in 1989's Cutting Class. Slasher film, Cutting Class. Uh, These are all. You don't know Cutting Class? These are all B movies that I probably love. Wait, when was this film? 1989. You have to immediately go home and find this because this is one you need to have seen. As I said, 1989, I was in Columbia. Sorry, my immigrant self didn't have access to HBO back then. Hard pass. I have no idea. All right. It's Mr. Brad Pitt. Oh, come on. I'm going to have to need, I need a list out uh, so I can actually watch these movies when I go home now. I do have to say to everyone who hasn't seen Cutting Class, it is well worth it. I also didn't see it in 1989. I was born in 1986, <laughs> but I found it. I forget when I watched it for the first time, but wow. Oh my God. I'm going to fail this exam. This yeah, is so yeah, sad. You are actually, but it's okay. You know, we have to complete it to graduate. Uh, before he woke up from the Matrix, he was Max in A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. Well, that's unfair. Isn't that Keanu? N- no. No, it's one. a trick. It's a trick question. Of course, wake up. You're, gonna, you're tricking me. That's so unfair. Who else wakes up in... Uh... Oh, this is horrible. I mean, Lawrence Fishburne probably? Yes! 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 There we go. Yes. Okay, and you got one point. Star of Hannibal, we must always yes. respect. Well, he's one of the top five people in Hannibal. Anyway, okay, this final one, though, has two correct answers. Ah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, was shelved by Columbia Pictures in 1994 because it was so bad, but was later released because it features two Oscar winners as Jenny and... Filmer? Um, can I tell you? I've been waiting. I was waiting for this one. Yeah, it's, it's so iconic. It's uh, Renee Selweger and Matthew McConaughey. That is right. So I got both. Incredible. We really Incredible. rallied to get a fifty percent, but that is amazing. You you were up against the ropes. I feel like you're a little shocked that I got those right. I I am impressed. I also find of all of my watchings in my October movies. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one the this the original one, not this one. <laughs> really scares me because yeah. that could happen for sure, and it has happened. You, you should watch the uh, they did a 
like a prequel to mm-hmm. the uh, it was an ori- it's a new prequel to the original story and towards the end i realized and i'm gonna spoil this i don't really okay. care uh i got really sad because at the end i realized we haven't heard about these people in the original like mm. the original story so i realized oh, that yeah. no one was gonna survive and i got really oh. sad and scared gotcha that mo- that movie was really good with that piece of like uh attention can I tell you the movie that scares me the most? Because mm-hmm. you brought it up, Caitlin. Yeah, please. And your reasoning is my reasoning. the The movie that I find too horrifying, and honestly, I my family has tortured me about this movie on multiple occasions. <laughs> like just talking about it makes me so unhinged. The Purge. I can't handle the Purge. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. cannot handle the Purge. I will not engage with the Purge. I when new purges come out, I freak out because I'm convinced that there are bad people in the world who are going to enact it. And I Yeah. I, I want if I had one wish right now, I would ban the world of all purge related media. Okay. That's fine. Um, I hate it. I'm yeah. like I'm scared right now thinking about it. The Purge is such a great concept. Goodbye, I'm done. It's clearly effective. I don't know why you're fighting this. You've got to watch them and you just have to, you know, get comfortable with the idea that that could happen. I am a, I am a single woman living alone. I will not get comfortable with it. Just lock your door or don't piss people off. I mean, yeah. I should be afraid. I should be afraid of the Purge. You know who's coming. People will use those 24 hours to get rid of me. I have a whole list of people that will get rid of me on that night. And you live far too close to me to make me feel safe. <laughs> it's very true. Yeah. I'd probably come to you exactly. and be like, please, I, they, they won't find me here. I mean, they don't even know where you live. That's one will help. Anyways, um, I think uh, I think we need to take a quick break. I need to go make sure the doors are locked. I need to look <laughs> for my emergency exits. I need to find my crossbow. We'll be right back. <laughs> GZM Shows and the creators of Six Minutes are rolling out their newest audio adventure with the podcast Discovering Dad. A cautious single dad with a secret past and his rebellious kids embark on a thrilling quest complete with hidden treasure, villains, and a family curse. New episodes of Discovering Dad roll out weekly starting June 11th on Apple Podcasts. Follow the show so you never miss an episode or listen early and ad-free as a GZM Show subscriber. Go to gzmshows.com to learn more. All right, turns out I don't actually own a crossbow. Oh, plot twist. Plot twist. I don't have an arsenal. You are sitting duck. (laughs) And I can't wait. Can't wait. What's fun, though, is that we just shot a backdoor pilot for Caitlin's true crime podcast where she (laughs) investigates (laughs) what happened to you and I. So that's fun. Welcome to Caitlin's Clues. By the way, podcasts have been a great uh, source of horror, right. uh, like of horror these last two years. Is uh, if you look at my podcast list, it's all true crime, true crime, true crime, and there is so much real horror out there. It is phenomenal. It's true. So I can't wait to listen to yours, <laughs> Caitlin's clues. <laughs> Well, you know, in preparation uh, for your new endeavor, Caitlin, uh, why don't you take us through your thesis today? Good point. Good idea. All right. So my thesis is that more genres and even, I dare say, art forms need to aim for the fan engagement horror films have. And let me tell you when I was thinking about this. I went to see Halloween Kills in the theaters Friday. It came out at our beloved Newport Cinemas. Uh, no spoilers because it's relatively recent, but at the end, people were booing and a couple people yelled bullshit. They screamed bullshit at the screen. And I just felt like, man, I'm having the best time of my life. These people, like, was the movie that great? No, but it's like, I love that people had opinions. They were fired up. They were like, this is not, you know, some people probably was the first Halloween movie they'd ever seen. Some had seen every single one. Um, everyone's entitled to their opinion. No one's arguing with each other about, like, no one's mad at each other. It's, it's all like, we're all having fun. So I'm going to take you on a journey with this next quote, because it's going to seem unrelated, but it is. And it's from Noam Chomsky. And he's talking about a totally different <laughs> topic, but I think it relates. He says, 
I've been struck by the extensive knowledge that people have of sports, and particularly their self-confidence in discussing it with experts. In contrast, when discussing matters of concern to human lives, their own and others, people tend to defer to experts. What I think you could substitute horror films in for sports in that quote of like, people feel like I know my shit. My opinion is valuable. I don't have to have a film degree or maybe I do. It does. Both are good. And I really like that. And recently, I also went to the Mets uh, Surrealism Beyond Borders exhibit and a guy did an old classic why is this art, you know, kind of like to, to his wife who, and they also had just looked at a painting and gone, they like that blue for their wall. <laughs> they weren't the most sophisticated art fans, but also like, who cares? They're there. They're engaging in it. Like they're doing better than other people that aren't bothering to get out there. And I kind of loved it. And I just feel like more art should be that way. I feel like people both as like fans and creators get in their own way of letting this like perfect or like judgment be in the way of the good. And something I like about horror films is like sometimes they're horrible. They're so bad, but they took the risk. I mean, Critters 4, haven't seen it, but they took the Critters and they took them to space. You know, it's not like, you know, they could have stayed on Earth. <laughs> they're like, no, we're going to space. We're taking these Critters. <laughs> and I just, I like it. I, I, I'm attracted to knowing more about it because it also has a diverse fan base. And I think that's because it deals with just the fundamental life or death. There's nothing like, no one's like, I don't get it. Or it doesn't apply to me. It applies to everyone. It has universal themes. So I'm kind of just like, I want to get more into it. I think it's like, in a way, Lauren, like an epitome of the show, because I feel like it's, it, it can be lowbrow art, but there's, a highbrow care taken in the way people watch it. And I think that's awesome. So I'm trying to be more like you guys and learn more about horror films. And uh, my husband and I did decide we want to go see more movies Friday nights when they come out uh, that are horror films because it's a fun ride. I please always tell me when you and Eric are going to Newport cinema to see horror movies, because the greatest cinematic experiences of my life have happened in that theater right. I mean, at that theater, you should say all all screenings are talkbacks. <laughs> you are. Yeah. Uh, and when I saw The Lion King there, famously, a kid kept yelling, just can't wait to be king because he just thought it like, works on request. But, you know, eventually he goes away. Hey, I saw a very different kind of horror film, Peppermint, starring Jennifer Garner there. And it was a delight. <laughs> that is not a horror film. Well, it wasn't intended to be. It was yeah. horrifying in its... Deeply rooted systemic racism. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate horror film. I gotta say, I, I, I agree with your thesis, Kaylin, a lot. And I think that's one of the things I love about horror film is that, I mean, as a true fan, I stand horror, whether it's great or whether it's awful. Mm -hmm. uh, because there are things you get through, the, through like the watching of it that are uh, muscle memory of great films you've watched. They're also kind of ridiculous, but who cares? You're having a great time watching something you really, you really love. I also really like Halloween Kills. So that whole theater can go suck it. I mean, you could have been there and just like, you know, applauding wildly and just being like, this was it. I loved it. Fight me down at the Cheesecake Factory. Exactly. It was a walk down memory lane. All the kills are fun. It's crazy. I mean, the fact that this is why, like, people bring such high bars to horror film, and I think that's the that's where they fail. It's like, just go in, get ready to scream, get ready to piss your pants. This is going to be a fun ride, whether it sucks or not, and it's going to be fun and funny. Those are my favorite horror movies. Are the ones that are willing to have a sense of humor, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like to me, I think that's why movies like The Nun can be hard for me or like the conjuring because it's like if you're not gonna have a sense of playfulness then i need you to be like terrifying right like and so i feel like movies like that take themselves too seriously sometimes you know what i mean and it's like i love like 70s 80s 90s horror because there's such a sense of camp and like it's just so ridiculous. I mean, not, I can't believe I'm going to bring up this movie yet again, but it is the highest uh, level. But watching the leprechaun kill someone with a pogo stick <laughs> is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. And 90% of my personality is based on those couple of frames of cinema. I mean, think about Chucky. Chucky. Oh my God, Chucky is a so funny. A doll. A doll freaking people out with a knife. 
I, how ridiculous is that? Just kick it across the room and, and you'll be fine. The fact that that doll has a bigger like body count than I do is embarrassing because that should not happen. And I strive to meet his body count, even though there's a TV series now that's going to start. But it's totally unfair. I totally agree. I mean, Friday the 13th, Freddy, I think that there's a movie where they actually go to space as well. Uh, Leprechaun also goes to space. I, it's it's the final frontier. I want to see horror. the one with him and Ice T. That looks funny. The what? Yeah, in the hood. Yeah, yeah Leprechaun <laughs> in the hood. Yeah, I. That's maybe a whole another episode where we just discuss the horror films that have taken place in outer space because that <laughs> is a whole subgenre. I would have we to got, rewatch. Right? So we got stuff. really excited in the '90s that we could send our creatures. <laughs> to other planets. Yeah. I mean, you could probably argue Alien is kind of that. Aliens is a horror film. Uh, there's Event Horizon is a great horror film. There are some great, great horror films uh, uh, out of space. Not as ridiculous as Critters in Space or uh, Freddy in Space. Mm-hmm. I, I actually don't know the Critters series that well, but you know what I loved as a kid? Tremors. Yes. And I don't know if that's a horror film. It's a creature film. Uh, I would say uh, it's kind of borderline because it's kind of a natural disaster movie too. It's got a lot of things going. I wonder what Kevin would call that. I would consider Tremors a uh, horror. It's film. definitely borderline, and it had Reba. Yeah, yeah, it had Reba. Oh, Reba so good. But that movie has uh, spawned as again as any great horror movie does a franchise. Mm-hmm. All franchise of it. Well, there is one truly great horror movie that did not spurn a franchise, but I refute anyone who tells me it wasn't great. Urban Legend. <gasps> 1998. Uh, did it not have sequels? Not official ones. Yes. Urban what? Legend Final Cut is a sequel to it. <gasps> I'm so sorry to... Uh, Wait, hear. there's a sequel? Urban Legend's Final Cut in front of uh, your uh, audience here. And a direct-to-video third one. Oh yeah. my god, no, this is the greatest news ever. I had no idea. You know, I think you're mistaking Urban Legends with The Faculty. The Faculty definitely did not. Which did not, but is a terrific film. Oh, and def- again, sexy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I think it's up your alley of, like, the oh, sexy... The Faculty is one of my favorites. Yeah. The Faculty and Disturbing Behavior and Urban Legend, uh-huh. for several years, I thought owning copies of those movies and their soundtracks were enough to just claim as a personality. Yeah. Oh, no. That was it. That was a college application. Mm -hmm. I do just want to give myself a shout out that it took this long into the episode before I found a way to tie the episode into Joshua Jackson, who famously Ah. is in Urban Legend. So kudos to me for growth. I could have done a whole dissertation just on that, and I chose not to. But Lauren, I feel like uh, I'm sorry to, again, put you on the spot, but you already kind of had your segue with Scream 2. And I didn't pick that up either. Yeah. I could have, and I chose not to talk about his 10 seconds of fame there. <laughs> so good. I set it up to make you talk about it. Wow. I mean, I feel like that scene, we are recreating that scene mm-hmm. of Scream 2 at this yeah. moment. Oh my God. No, I'm And I am scared. Sarah Michelle Geller. Wow. And I'm Joshua Jackson. Yep. That makes sense. As usual. Me. That does. It does make sense. Uh, but, oh man. Just so many fabulous, fabulous movies out there. Oh, so the more we're talking, the more I'm like, I got some watching to do. You got some really good watch. I mean, we haven't even discussed the Final Destination movies, wow. the Saw movies. Oh. There's a great uh, movie called The Collector, which will freak mm-hmm. you out. Uh, you can go down the rabbit hole. I have to now go watch the whole series of Critters. Yeah. yeah. To Caitlin. With the Oscar winners and nominees of the future. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm now going to go put that on my Google search so I can just go through all those movies. Listen, we all have our assignments, right? Yes. We all have our homework assignments. Uh, number one on my list is, because I just remembered this movie is out there and it was my favorite for most of high school. I got to watch Idle Hands. And we didn't even mm. we didn't even broach the topic of like full blown comedy horror, right? Because that's a whole thing in and of itself. Yeah. But as soon as you said Final Destination, I was like, "But what about Idle Hands? Devin Sawa's greatest work." Wow. And a vehicle for 
my future former ex-husband, I don't know what to call him, Seth Green. Right. Your future ah, ex-husband. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is yeah. it, are you saying that's where he got his big hit? I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just saying I love that movie and it gave me an excuse to mention Seth Green again. Got it. So it's been a good day. What I'm saying is we talked about horror. We got to hang out and I got to mention my childhood crushes. Mo- almost all of them today. Excellent work. It's a good day. I think this is so much fun. Good. Well, I think we're about out of time. But before we say goodbye for anyone that has fallen into stand with you, Juan, how can they keep up with you? Or what advice do you have for them? Advice? Uh, stay away from me. Uh, I love horror films and I, you know, have learned many ways to make people disappear. I'm sure that working on the following, that really... Oh my God, are you kidding? Not even the following. Uh, Dexter? I'm, yeah. Come on. There's so many good ways to hide bodies. <laughs> On that note, folks, where we stand together, you can follow us at We Stand Social across all social media platforms. You can email us, we stand social at gmail.com. Let us know what topics you want to hear about. If you have ideas for guests, and you know what? Don't be selfish. Go write a five star review. Yes. You've got the 10 seconds Stop it takes. Stop being selfish. Stop being selfish with your time and give it to us. We're about to come up in the holiday season. I'm finally going to do one. Yay! Oh my gosh. <laughs> all Just for this episode. you. Thank you so much. You know, my birthday my birthday is coming up real quick. So I mean, I feel like you made me sign a, you know, a contract to, that's part of the gig. Oh yeah. You have to either do a five star review or leave me a gallon of blood to leave my apartment. <laughs> one or the other. That's what I've been doing this entire time. <laughs> well, Stan Stans, we hope you have a very fun, safe, and terrifying Halloween. <laughs> Bye. Talmor is my home. My family have worked the land for generations. My gran says the island does not belong to us, but we belong to the island. And we must be ready, for a great evil is coming. And death follows with it. Listen and subscribe to the latest season of Undertow, The Harrowing, a Storyglass production presented by Realm, available wherever you get your podcasts.